Welcome to Beyond the Minimum, where we'll be exploring the world of work. We'll be chatting about concepts, ideas, and phrases, explore practices, and delve into what good looks like. Work can be purposeful, value-led, and more meaningful to all who interact with the workplace. This podcast is brought to you by Tanya Hewitt, who lives in unceded Algonquin Anishabe territory, otherwise known as Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Hi, everyone. So you've probably, if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while, noticed that I am very passionate about water. I do talk about that quite a bit. And it's really important that we recognize how precious a resource water truly is. It has been, I don't know how long, but a very long time since we have watered our lawn. And that is because we have realized that a a lawn is an artificial construct in the first place. It's not really a natural thing. It is a, you know, suburban concept of what, you know, a a manicured property looks like. But a lawn doesn't have any equivalence in the natural world, really. And because of that, my husband and I had watched a program ages ago saying that encouraging a lawn the way that we have for many decades is probably not a good way to go forward. And the first thing you can do is stop watering it. Because in watering it, you're going to get into this habit that, you know, it's a um, it's something that we need to take care of in the way that um, a plant would or something like that. And it's really not appropriate to be using water as it is such a precious resource to do things like watering lawns. I remember visiting um, Las Vegas years ago and of course that's in the middle of the desert and they're uh, watering lawns is just not on there. So the properties are decorated with cacti and other plants that need very little water to survive. And I am really impressed with the number of suburban houses in my own neighborhood. It's, I don't think it's the majority, but it is a, it's more prevalent now than it was even a few years ago of people not having a manicured front lawn. It's starting to be turned back into a more natural kind of lawn, which you don't water. Rain is sufficient for that. And there's all sorts of other things we can do. I mean, we can start collecting rainwater in rain barrels to be able to water plants in gardens that we have outside. Um, that does need clean eaves troughs, which allows us to engage in some home maintenance that sometimes uh, we don't tend to do. And of course, there's all sorts of other things we can do in terms of water conservation, like shutting off the water when you're toothbrushing, 
timing your showers so that you don't use more water than necessary and running the dishwasher only when it's full and a, a whole lot of tips and tricks like this. Now, to be certain, I have a ways to go towards where I would like to be. I am still not as water conservative as I would like to be. And we're all on this journey together. We need to get to a place where we can get to be in a better relationship with our planet and with our resources that we have been given. If we can really make a concerted effort to not use water needlessly or wastefully, then I think we're in a really good position to start looking at other aspects of our lives so that we can get into a better relationship with our planet. Today's episode is Sayings That Should Cease. Hello, everybody. Today's saying that should cease is no harm, no foul. I suspect this phrase comes from soccer or football, depending on where you are in the world, because a foul is an infringement of a rule in place to prevent injury. It is possible, though, to break the rule, yet not hurt anyone, and that's the case that we're going to be talking about here. Referees will typically call out rule breakers regardless of the consequences of breaking the rule. This saying is to exempt that possibility of breaking a rule, yet no one getting hurt from punishment. No harm, no foul. So if we extend it into different language, we could see this as saying the end justifies the means and getting your goal at any price. So let's just take a look at this. So the first part of the phrase, no harm. So no harm to whom? Say you have a chemical plant with some kind of effluent. Who are you including in the no harm? Just those of you around the table in the room? Maybe the company grounds where the fence line is? How about downstream from you, either in the air or the water? Who might be subject to the effluent? Neighbors? Adjacent communities? Are they included in your no harm? Often, those impacted by the decision are not those who make the decision. Many Indigenous communities ask before they make a decision, how will this decision affect seven generations from now? Say each generation is defined in 50-year cohorts, just to make the math easy. That is 450 years in the future that they consider in their decisions. I have heard them say they are concerned about the impact this decision will have on their grandchildren's grandchildren, people they will not meet in person. Yet, they are top of mind in the decision-making in this Indigenous frame. So, no harm? We need to include geographically and temporally distant people to truly assess the harm and the absence thereof. This might not be exclusive either. But let's move on to no foul. How something gets done counts. Simon Sinek 
has a wonderful video that I will put into the show notes where he says, slow runners can win a race, but if they trip the fast runners, that is cheating. That is not playing by the rules. So the slow runner gets the trophy, but not through a means he or she should be proud of, not a model for the community or their family, unless, of course, they cover it up. Which brings me to Walter Scott's poem, Marmion, A Tale of Flodden Fields. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when we first practice to deceive. How the goal is achieved counts. I remember literally jumping for joy. I'll put this in the show notes. The episode of Tobias Sturrison's podcast and his post of my enthusiasm of Mary Gentile giving voice to values. She talks about even if you don't get caught, like Volkswagen or Wells Fargo, choose your corporate scandal in this scenario. If unethical behavior is condoned and not called out, it begins to rot the organization from the inside. People will begin to become distrustful. It may become a me or you culture. And people will not show up as their true selves at work, which takes a toll on them, their families, and society overall. No harm, no foul. I'll end with where I remember this being addressed directly. Dr. Peter Pronovo taught a course on patient safety where he described the CLABSBY initiative, the Central Line Insertion Bloodstream Infection Initiative that he had pioneered, oh, nearly 20 years ago now. It was a course that was on Coursera that I had taken when I was doing my PhD. I can't get to the video anymore. But the story behind the CLABSBY is a long one, and that might be a subject for another podcast, but it's fascinating. This protocol that he had, he and his team had come up with, if followed, prevents clabsy. But it needs to be followed. A no harm, no foul mentality inhibited the realization of the protocol as he was starting to roll it out. He needed to try to get people to realize you need to pay attention to how this is being done. No harm, no foul. It's a saying that should be relegated to history because how you get to the goal matters. I thank you for listening. I don't know if this is your first episode or if you are a regular listener, having really appreciated some of this content. I just wanted to tell you that I really do appreciate you for listening. If you would like to express your gratitude for this podcast, I would encourage you to buy me a coffee. Head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash Tanya H. That's buy, B-U-Y, me, M-E-A, coffee, C-O-F-F-E-E, all one word, dot com slash T-A-N-Y-A-H, Tanya H. I will put this in the show notes. And I would really sincerely appreciate your support. In addition to that, you can rate and review this podcast. And I really, really appreciate that you are here listening to what I am sending out to you guys. Thanks so much.
Thank you so much for listening to Beyond the Minimum with Tanya Hewitt. We hope this episode aligned with you. Maybe it was diametrically opposed to you, but at any rate, we trust it made you think. The more we can think about our workplaces and start talking about them, the more we can collectively make a real difference. If you're living in Canada, please find out the Indigenous territory in which you reside and begin using it to introduce yourself. Please reach out to Tanya through her email, tanya at beyondsafetycompliance.ca. Connect and chat with her on LinkedIn. Follow her company, Beyond Safety Compliance. And remember to ask yourself the question, how does your work look? Because we can always go beyond the minimum. <laughs>